sometimes reading the book isn't enough. We want to be immersed in an idea or feeling. That's why at Book Interrupted, we've made a playlist for each book cycle. Visit www.bookinterrupted.com to find playlists for each book cycle and a member. Or check out our YouTube channel. What's on your playlist? Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. And he's like, oh, but it seemed like you're mad. I'm like, if I was mad, I'd be um, mumbling under my breath. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. You dance yep. it out, which is yep. like adorable and delightful. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, okay. Man, no, I mean, music. everyone's going to do it, so I'll do it, but I don't like it. Road rage, that is the only mm. place that I don't blame myself first. I always <laughs> blame the other. <laughs> you know, when we're about to express some kind of emotion or when we're empathizing or with anything, just taking that moment to just stop and take a breath. I feel that like I want to go through the fight and I like stop myself. I'm like, nope, I'm going to flight. <laughs> <I'll>, like remove <laughs> myself. My body Disrupted mind, body, and soul. Inspiration is with uh, and we're gonna talk it uh, out on Book Interrupted. Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from June 20th to July 25th. It's Meredith's book pick. And we're reading Nonviolent Communication by Marshall B. Rosenberg. Nonviolent communication illustrates how to use language to strengthen your relationships, build trust, prevent conflict, and heal. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. Yeah. This book has been like, Meredith, I don't think I've thanked you, or maybe I have, but I've forgotten. But I'm so <laughs> thankful that you brought it forward because anger is an emotion that I have not trained myself or allowed myself to get close to in way too many years. And this has been the way white fragility was a great place to start as white women learning about anti-racism work. This book was amazing at helping me get close to an emotion that I kept verbally saying I want to become more familiar with within myself because it's not healthy to not express anger like that's just part of life and it like gave me like this safe way of being able to get closer to it it was so helpful and i and being able to see how closely related it is to the expression of a need it was like such a beautiful book for me i had no idea that needs and the emotion of anger were so intertwined and it's been a tremendous like gift in my life. Like I really feel like I'm growing into the human I want to be as a result. Can't oh, wait yeah. till Kara starts screaming, everybody. I know. I know. By the end of this book, <laughs> it'll be nonviolent. <laughs> no, I don't know. If you open those doors, she might. She might not go to the obnoxious stage with the anger. Yeah. And be like, okay, yeah. thank you for expressing your anger point. again, Kara. Again, uh, I appreciate. <laughs> I'm hearing you. I'm listening. <laughs> 
I need emotional guys... safety though. So <laughs> <Okay>. you... <laughs> Tara, do you ever scream? Have you ever? Would, would oh, you just yeah. scream? A- yeah. Inappropriate times, like just before we logged in and Meredith sent the ladies, are you coming? Like I'm full. So if it's an inanimate object, I lose my fucking shit. So do I actually. So it's like I stockpile it or the other place I discovered is when I'm driving road rage. That is the only Mm. place that I don't blame myself first. I always blame the other. So it comes out. It mostly comes out when others aren't around and I can scream at or do a release at an object that doesn't have feelings. Because I feel too much what the other person does. And so it makes it really hard then to get freaking angry. And then there's been like the odd time. I'm just like my dad. I can maybe recall half a dozen times, maybe, that my dad truly was angry. And same with me. Like the girls could maybe, maybe two times. And when oh, it I did, that guy's angry. it was extra. For real all the time. He <laughs> just was sure. Yeah. For sure. I think everybody's yeah. angry a lot of the time. Not everybody's saying it out loud. Yeah. You got to yeah, watch out for those a, quiet ones. There's quiet. a person oh, yeah. saying it. I was, actually, <laughs> right? I was saying like, that to my husband oh, recently because he. I was trying to, during Ramadan, I was trying to like clean the backyard or something and I was frustrated with myself because I didn't have energy and whatever. And he was said something about being, being angry about cleaning. And I was like, I wasn't angry. I was just focused. And I was like, I was just frustrated trying to get it done. Like I wasn't mad at anybody. And he's like, oh, but it seemed like you're mad. I'm like, if I was mad, I'd be um, mumbling under my breath. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's what I'm like. Oh, mm-hmm. you totally do that. Like, I'm not saying anything that anyone could verbally hear, but I'm like blurting out little like, oh, and I, I would be like Kara, doing something not where there's someone I'm interacting with. Mm-hmm. So if I'm angry, like, and I was cleaning up the backyard, I'd be mumbling under my breath and yelling at the toys that are everywhere or whatever. Like, I wouldn't be yelling at a person. <laughs> At this instance, I was, and I was like, I wasn't mumbling under my breath. Just you have to listen. But I also think that there should be a takeaway that there's no one way to express anger that's correct. Right. There's the obvious ways that not everybody loves. Like earlier in this, I guess our last group chat, it was like not everybody's processing emotions at my fucking rapid fire state. Lots of people have to sit with things, and like maybe it's healthier to sit with an issue mumble under your breath and attack a plant later. (laughs) Like that's uh, just as valid as like recognizing, yeah, what's going on with you and letting it out. I think there is different ways to express anger. I agree. I really like the anger part too. Just like also there's, there's this perception that anger is wrong. If you're angry, you're wrong. And it's not that, mm-hmm. right? So it's nice that it's like anger is a wake-up call that you need to listen to yourself and figure out what you need, which is, I like that idea better as anger as a wake-up call and not anger as a character flaw. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole period thing. It's giving you feedback, right? Your period is giving you feedback. Angry is giving you feedback. Good one. Yeah, Sarah, that's good. And I think also Glennon Doyle mentioned like, like the gifts that come to the door, right? You have to understand it's telling you something exactly mm-hmm. like you said, it's feedback and everything is like, okay, guilt. Okay. So I didn't, you know, live up to what I want to live up to. That's why I feel guilt, anger. Somebody's infringing on my boundaries. You know what I mean? Like each emotion is telling you something. It's not a character flaw at all. It's true. I think sometimes anger gets a really bad rap because it's tied in with abuse sometimes because the mm-hmm. way that some people express their anger could be very violent 
physically or emotionally or whatever. And since we all want to be, it's like that, like Kara was saying, the use of the word abuser, because there's this association between the two things, none of us want to be bad, you know, like it's a binary again. And, you know, whereas sad people, somebody was like, why am I sad? I shouldn't be sad. That's one thing. But people don't look at somebody who's sad as being bad, right? So there's the, you know, negative emotions that we say are bad emotions or whatever. And they're just emotions, but some of them are uh, viewed worse than others, I guess. Just less accepted. Yeah, less accepted. That's exactly what it is, Kim. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah, Yeah, less accepted anger for sure. Just looked at the note, my notes, and oh, I, when they're saying the steps to expressing anger, and I really mm-hmm. appreciated that even in that, and then when he talks about empathy, the, the first one in both of them is stop and breathe. And I think that it, all of us, you know, when we're about to express some kind of emotion or when we're empathizing or with anything, just taking that moment to just stop and take a breath and then release what you do, you know, and think about things, I think helps not become abusive or not you know, take it out on somebody for, for not, for a bad reason. Mm-hmm. Or, or, yeah. yeah to not be, be so, so reactionary, but to maybe ignite the potential for choice. You know, the worst is when hard. you're really angry. Sometimes when I'm really angry and I'm like, I need to stop myself because I'm in spiraling into this big anger. Part of me just wants to go through it. Sometimes I just like, I just want to be angry and I want to, mm-hmm release all this stuff and let it out. And I think that's really hard. That's why the stop and breathe is so important because there's that moment where you're like, I could stop and breathe or I can, I don't know, again, turn into rip, a werewolf, turn into a werewolf <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, um, rip up the grass or whatever. I don't know. Whatever you do, yeah. when you're feeling very uh, frustrated. Yeah. It helps yourself like, cause it's that biology, right? Like if you have those feelings, you set off your your response, whatever that response is, right? Fight, flight, whatever, like your threat response. So by breathing, you tell your brain, there is no threat here. Mm -hmm. And I would even wager that when you're angry and you feel like you want to go through it, you might be having a fight response, you know? Oh, I totally, I'm totally a fighter. So creating that space, (laughs) it tricks your brain back down and then your body goes back down and then you're able to interpret like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like Sometimes. It's yeah. a good point. Your fight or flight. Cause sometimes I'm like super angry and I like, I feel that like, I want to go through the fight and I like stop myself. I'm like, Nope, I'm going to flight. <laughs> like remove myself so yeah. that I can bring it back down. Right. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go somewhere or if, if someone's home, I'm like, I'm going for a walk. Um, that yeah. doesn't happen a lot these days, but uh, one day, one day I can leave one my kids I home will. alone. Yeah. And I would argue that I think you should allow your body to do the full cycle you know but like what you were saying Meredith is that you are recognizing that there is a danger potential in your fight response so if you can still stay triggered but tip over into another form of response I would say let the thing run its course sometimes I think it's not healthy for humans and does cause problems within the mind Uh, when we don't allow the full cycle of an emotional response to play out. The trick is, if you're seeing red... people while driving. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The trick is, is like, how do you get... Because you do, like, even me who rarely expresses anger, when I'm in it, it feels good to keep it going. So it's really Mm -hmm. hard to um, allow the cycle to play out, but just in a different way. Yeah, I like the nonviolent 
screaming. Sometimes that's like a good way to let it out, right? That's one of Sarah, those... you dance a lot. Not I think sure do. You. you dance yep. it out, which is yep. like adorable and delightful. I love that so much. <laughs> I love like, that. I want to see you look angry when you do it. Are you looking like really angry when you do it? No, she's looking like overjoyed, like. <gasps> it's a I don't know it's just a safe way because I look at dance is the movement of emotion you're telling a story that's mostly emotional based but you're using the body to express it so for me it's a very safe way to express all forms of emotion because apparently an angry I've trained myself you know she was like getting oh, it out. i love like oh, she was like getting it favorite. out she was frustrated <laughs> it's amazing when you do it and it's so good the body loves it oftentimes we i think try to approach like healing ourselves or getting to a better place and we try to go from the head down i think maybe go from the body up like get that shit fucking like tense those muscles you know don't interrupt the cycle let it play out and then you're i don't think you're left with as much baggage on the end i think it depends on i like moving too like i think i go for a brisk walk when i had the dog i go for like a brisk walk with the dog or whatever but just like get moving you know Mm -hmm. i think it depends on where your cycle comes from if you're having yeah. like a normal response and a normal reaction, then by all means, let your body continue on in that way. But Good if one. you come from like a trauma background and so your trigger, like you're hyper, like you're hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. So you become mm-hmm. triggered in cases where you're not actually in a threat. That's the one that needs to be interrupted. So you can retrain yes. your body what an actual totally. threat is versus mm-hmm. the hypersensitive. Very great distinction yeah because you're from a neuroscience perspective your mind is used to going down that train track and yeah you don't want to keep continuing or else it will get deeper and deeper you do want to in that case try to interrupt it so that you can go over to a new track i think well, that for to end the nonviolent communication we should all yes. dance it out okay <laughs> what do we think yeah, okay i mean, no, I mean everyone's gonna do it so i'll do it but i don't like it Come on, in our chair. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. No, we have something else to say, though. Oh, can someone else say something to say? Oh, I want to say the one thing about um, like thanking somebody. Now, obviously, you can't do this every time. Sometimes you can just say thank you to somebody, but like his process for like giving a really thought out thank you to show gratitude to somebody. I really like that too, because if you really want to show somebody you're grateful, being specific and telling that person how they affected you like in a positive way. I really like that. I have, I don't use it every time, but sometimes I use it when I really want to show somebody how that I'm grateful for something they did. Anyway, I really like, like that part. I think that's a good takeaway too. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Being really, yeah. you're too vague being like, but what are you yeah, like? Why are you thankful to that person? Why do you yeah. feel grateful mm-hmm. for them? Yeah. It's and then good. I can, yeah. and, and that person, cause that person probably did the thing they, they are doing. Cause they're looking, maybe they, part of it is meaning for them. They want meaning in their life. And when you say, hey, what you did gave meaning to me. That's um, that's a nice, that's a little gift. Also, the end of the book made me cry when he told his uncle and the uncle's like, read me that poem every day before oh, he died. Yeah. I was like Jesus. bawling my eyes out. Why did you have to bring that up? Anyway. Well, that is the grandma says, never walk when you can dance. That's oh, what oh great ending. Never walk never when you can dance. You can dance. Woo-hoo. Who's going to put music on? Does anyone have music? I have oh. music. Good, oh, Leah. Do great. it. Ah!
This is too hard. Meredith is going to do it, Leah. Subscribers. Oh. song do you guys want? Oh my God, I just found CNC Music Factory. Yeah. That's <laughs> okay. good. No, yes. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. You don't want to do CNC Music Factory? No, yeah, let's do it. Why? Why? What are you talking about? That's great. Everybody dance. We love it. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you got CNC. Here we go. <laughs> I want this on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> when did this shit come out? Was it like the 90s? Yeah. You were like, yeah, it's so good. Ba -da -ba -ba. So good. Mom's dance. <laughs> this is my mom's dance. No, I hate your mom dance. No. <laughs> oh. Matthews? Okay, there we go. God. Never walk when you can dance. <laughs> When COVID oh, is done, that. can we wow. somehow facilitate just going out and doing silly dancing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We'll add that to the tampon Halloween party. Okay, great. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank no, you, Sarah. Right. So everybody has to come dressed as a tampon then, not just us? <laughs> Tampons only. Oh. Tampon only dance party. Oh my God. I'll set it up. I want to go with Nick's underwear, please. Yeah. Book interrupted. This is a ridiculous interruption. So for the past few days, I have had a headache and it starts out like this. Oh man, this headache sucks. I bet it's because I'm a little bit stressed out because I have a habit of getting myself stressed out for anything really. But in particular, if there's a to-do item that's going to be uh, under review and I'm thinking that's why I've got this headache. The next day goes by. I still have the headache. So then at this point, I'm starting to wonder, okay, like, you know, I guess I really was more stressed out than I thought. And if I was stressed out, like maybe, maybe it's a hormonal thing. Yeah, that's what it's got to be. So then I start to convince myself that, of course, the headache is now attributable to hormonal fluctuations of being perimenopausal paired with increased stress, which is obviously throwing everything out of whack, even though I've been working so hard these past few months to balance out the hormones. Then the next day happens and I've got a new reason. I have now convinced myself that as none of those prior things, obviously I'm missing the mark and I'm not wanting to accept the new reality, which is I have a tumor. Absolutely, I am convinced of it. There's clearly, I mean, it's been four days of headaches. It's cancer. I have a tumor. And this is just going on and on. Finally, Friday comes, fifth day. Get out of the shower, do my normal routine. And I decide I'm going to put in my contacts. Except that as I'm putting in my contacts, contacts this morning, I'm like, huh, that's weird. The right contact feels a bit more flimsy than from what I remember. And then I'm putting in the left one. I'm like, whoa, this one feels a bit more like thick, like a different type of plastic than what I remember. And this distinction is important because uh, my eyes are very close in uh, having the exact same amount of poor vision, except that my right eye is ever so slightly worse. In addition to that, I have astigmatism in my right eye. And so I have this contact for the right eye that helps to kind of get the astigmatism figured out. That's what the contact does. And so I go, wait a minute, 
Did I somehow accidentally for the past week, have I been putting the right contact in the left eyeball and the left contact in the right eyeball? So I'm like, there's only one way to find out. So this morning I did the big switcheroo and I put what I thought was the right contact into the left and the left contact into the right. And holy smokes, don't you know, I'd just been wearing my contacts in the wrong eyeballs for the past five days. Headache gone. Book interrupted. This is my final book report for the book, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall B. Rosenberg. This was my book pick for Book Interrupted, and I read it before I joined this podcast. Obviously, I recommend it because I recommended it to the group. When I first read the book, it just seemed so simple. You know, it broke down our reactions and our feelings and needs, and it was a really great way to get in touch with my own feelings or even to recognize my own needs which I think is a good first step to fulfilling your needs and having a fulfilling life. There's a few things that I want to talk about in this book that I think are important for our listeners to understand. I think some people would read this book and think that it's saying you should talk in this way and interact in this way all the time. And quite frankly, that's really hard. It takes a lot of energy to communicate nonviolently with somebody who is not experienced with nonviolent communication because the person you're talking to might not be in touch with their own needs in the same way that this book helped you or the any reader become in touch with their needs. So I think that's an important point. However, I really do think that personal relationships are very important uh, towards a fulfilling or a happy life. And if you have healthy relationships and supportive relationships, it can make life more enjoyable and easier. So this book does help connect with other people. Do I use nonviolent communication all the time? No. When I'm trying to connect with somebody, understand them, and really empathize with somebody else, I do try to use the principles in this book. And again, it can be very exhausting. It takes a bit of an emotional toll, and that's okay. This book has been somewhat criticized, really for people misusing it. And I think it's important to understand that the idea behind nonviolent communication is that your motivation is meant to be connection. So if somebody's using the words in this book in a way to motivate somebody with guilt or shame, then that's not nonviolent communication because the intention is wrong. One of the main parts of this system is trying to understand somebody else's needs and understand somebody else's point of view. So empathy is a really big part of it and empathy for self as well. One of the parts that I really liked about this book was trying to change mindset from I have to to I choose to. And that can be kind of hard to get around because it's part of our language saying I have to work. I don't want to work. I have to work. But if you can switch that over to I choose to work so that I have money to do the things that I want, or I choose to work so that I can put food on the table and live in a house or whatever, it can really change how what motivates you or make you feel better about the things that you feel you are responsible to do though you might not really want to do it like saying i have to clean the house well you don't have to you can just keep your house dirty but if you think about why you want the house clean you can say i choose to clean the house because having a clean house makes me feel more relaxed switching from i sh i have to to i choose to I found that actually did help me a lot as well, especially when I had conflicting needs, things that I need, but I might not be able to fulfill at the same time. 
say I need A, but for now I'm going to do B instead. I don't know if I have much else to say. I think this is a great book for people to read uh, who want to improve their emotional intelligence. And uh, it helps me find some peace when I'm feeling frustrated or I'm having feelings and I don't know where they're coming from. I can pick up the book. I can take a look at the list of needs and try to figure out what I'm missing and how I can help myself. And that's about all I have to say. I still love this book. I'm glad I bought it. Once I read it, uh, I got it at the library the first time. I decided I would buy it so that I, I would have the resources in here that's in, in here, like uh, the lists of feelings and the lists of needs. And uh, that's about all I have to say. I'm done reading Nonviolent Communication by Marshall B. Rosenberg, PhD, and this book is a keeper. I'm not only going to be keeping it as reference material for my work as a professional coach, as well as a therapist in training, I will also be keeping it in the personal keep forever pile because uh, it has helped me personally in my life in particular with certain family members. So I'm so thankful for this. Uh, it feels really freeing to be excited about learning about the unfamiliar. Uh, I have not really permitted anger to exist within me at all. Of course, it's still there. I have just trained myself to suppress it, folks. So it's nice that I can like, you know, release that valve try to get it out in some healthy ways instead of it like really impacting like, uh, you know, physically or biologically my liver, which is where anger tends to be stored, as well as just like emotionally and psychologically, like the depression that can ensue from suppressing so much anger. So I'm happy folks that I am starting to walk towards more health and balance. And one day you might see me freaking throw down and just like, Ah, lose it. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, no, I'm just trying to make light of the fact that, um, yeah, I am a bit embarrassed about how much work it has taken me to be okay with not being a perpetual people pleaser and to be able to speak my mind, to put on my big girl panties and be a grown ass adult and be like, no, this is something that I stand for and I want to speak up on it. So I feel really happy um, and so grateful to now have tools on how to do that and how I cannot hide away from conflict, but see it more as an opportunity to move closer to, I don't know, just new ways of doing things. Um, of course, I always would love things to be peaceful and harmonious, but sometimes the best way to get there is if you actually just like call out the elephant in the room and find ways to deal with it. So I really love this book. I'm not as afraid uh, to be angry. I see it so much as a secondary emotion that covers big, deep needs as well as fears. It has helped me understand uh, my husband so much more. And it's just been a delightful tool in our relationship on how we interact with each other when we are not at our best. Uh, when we're having a conflicting situation and I feel like now... We're really trying and have been practicing to try to interact in more healthy ways and not just take out and project our own inner psychology onto each other and actually move towards actual problem solving. Uh, so like I said, huge, hugely grateful for this book. It reminds me so much, actually, I had read a couple of years ago by Kim Scott, the book Radical Candor. 
And I was like, oh, I wonder if she read this book because there are so many bits in her book that really seem to, at least in my opinion, draw from nonviolent communication. So yeah, it's wonderful. I absolutely recommend it. Sometimes we need a good read that isn't so fluffy, that isn't necessarily fiction, but it does fall into the self-help category, but that can just give it to you like bullet points and action. I think that's what I appreciate because I can spend so much time just wondering or thinking about or just staying as a philosopher that I felt like this book not only helped bring balance in getting me closer to the anger emotion, how to not hide away from conflict, um, that it brought balance by bringing me more to action. And that's what I want to see. Change comes through doing. And I really wanted to uh, work on and make big changes towards this area of my life. Uh, So thank you for this book. It's been wonderful. Highly recommend it. Take care, my friends. All right. Final book report, nonviolent communication. Overall, I think it's a great book. A couple things about the book, though. Like, I'm going to say I would recommend it. However, I'm going to go into my critique now because, for instance, talking to adults, I completely agree. You can't demand things of people. You have to be willing to be okay with a no, which I am. Sometimes I even say to people when I'm asking them to do something or if they'd be willing to do something, I say, you can say no if you want. Because I don't, especially if it's someone I know that will default to say yes because they're people pleaser, I will say that before. It's okay to say no, but uh, like, do you want to do this? Blah, blah, blah. But his example had to do with children. And there is like things I'll use when I'm talking to my kids in this book that might be able to help like identify things and whatever. The demand thing, I don't want to demand things of my kids. However, he was talking about then his son is like, oh, you're demanding me to take out the garbage, so I'm not going to. And I just feel like that's not the real world. My kids that need to be prepared that when they're in school or when they eventually get a job, people in charge will demand you to do things and you need to do them. It doesn't matter how you feel and how you don't want them to demand things of you. That's not the real world. I want my kids to be realize that they have responsibilities and they need to do those responsibilities or there's consequences. If there was a conflict between our, me and my kids doing chores, though, I would discuss, like, why aren't you doing them? Like, let's talk about this. He says, because it's more like mediation, I guess I go, I'm more of a mediator because I'm like, let's come up with a solution because I'm a solution-based person. But I think when there's real conflict, I'll use it. Also, another thing I feel like doesn't really work with kids, trying to get kids to discuss things takes, it like, this process takes a while, Right. And if it's like a day-to-day arguments where like one of my kids is trying to like hit the other kid because they're losing their temper or someone's calling someone a name and you're going to ruin my toy or I built this thing and you're destroying it. Like the everyday thing, I think this would be, would just take too long. <laughs> like there's just no way. I have three kids. And it, like maybe we'll resolve it, but then they're already over it like in the next 10 minutes. Like it's just kind of a get in there, intervene kind of thing. I think works better, but... Another thing, I have a friend who's actually certified nonviolent communication. She's a a psychotherapist for children and families, actually. And this is for conflict, right? Like this, you can't act like this every day. She was saying how she took a course with someone, their child, and it goes into this. So I think that was good that it brought it up in this book. So I don't know if this is an addition to the book from when she had done the work. But she said there was someone in her course that came back and it's like, I yelled at my child, but 
he was about to fall, like he was like on a cliff or something. And she like screamed at him to come. So then he did. And she's like, I screamed at him and I didn't say, I'm feeling very scared that you're on the cliff and my need is for you to have safety and blah, blah, blah. And, and then the teacher was like, no, like when it's an emergency, you scream at your child. You don't have time to go through your needs and your feelings and their needs and feelings if they're in danger. And I was glad that when I eventually finished the book, he actually actually says that, right? If there's actual danger, then use violent communication, like get off my cliff. <laughs> anyway, so overall, I recommend the book. I think it's really great if you're having like a consistent conflict that you're just not resolving. Like it's really good for if you're having a pattern conflict that's not resolving itself. It's brilliant. I think that it's just not like a like an everyday not real conflict thing like it's a if you really need to sort something out so i really like it i would recommend it and um i guess that's all i have to say oh i also like the anger thing i realize when i lose my temper and get angry at myself and annoyed very easily it's some usually something else is going on and that's basically what he's saying it's a need that's not being met um, it takes me a while to figure out what that need is. I like how he also reinforces that if you're getting angry with people in your life, they're not making you anger. There's some other need that's not being, not being addressed, which is definitely me. That happens all the time for me. If I'm losing my temper easily, it's definitely something that's going on that I haven't like connected my feelings and my needs to what's actually happening. Anyway, um, so that's it. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the beautiful tattoo forest i'm not using my studio currently for anything so i felt like paying her a visit and doing some book report book report action on nonviolent communication full disclosure i didn't barely read the dang thing i it's not personal it's timing i'm just did the move and moved houses and did not commit myself to reading right now. I am frazzled. So I did have some takeaways, but they're the same kind of takeaways that I had from the beginning of the book. Because there, I didn't learn anything else after that. <laughs> I'm sure. But I, I, I have a feeling it's kind of more of the same. Also, the like just tone of the book is just really calm, kind, considerate. And I am not those things right now. I'm keeping it together with duct tape and wine right now. <laughs> I'm just like so overwhelmed with just like packing, unpacking, full-time parenting, which I mean, I technically always am a full-time parent, but with no school and homeschooling, it's like unbelievable how not mentally equipped I am for this job right now. <laughs> so it has been a trying time to say the least. And I'm coming out the other side now. I'm feeling much better, much stronger, but I have been eating and drinking my feelings quite a bit. And frankly, I don't want to communicate non-violently. I want to actually communicate quite violently. I'm just agitated and this book I'm going to hold on to. And I would recommend from what I've read, I would recommend this to anyone who wants to work on intimate, especially I would say intimate relationships. My guess is you're like partner. Uh, someone you live with that, you know, there's just like life hands you opportunities to argue sometimes. So this is super helpful for learning. I realized through this book that I have been placing a lot of interpretations in the feelings category 
I think I've always been very aware that no one causes my feelings, that I have a choice about my feelings and that I'm choosing to be upset, be happy, whatever. The situation triggers my choice, but there's something to like knowing that on a literal scale and applying that in daily life that I do and don't do. So that's been kind of the long and short of short of it is that there's a lot of good information here and a lot of skills. And I like the little quizzy quizzes and I like the little, I like the real practical lists of like feelings, interpretation, and then applying them. Like he writes stories about like when that was happening. And I love all of that. I just like didn't get very far into it, mostly because I wasn't making time for it because I wanted to work my little butt off all day and then fall down on the couch at the end of the day and not read. I wanted to blank out on nonsense TV and escape my mental state probably. That's that's what I got to say about that. I'm not really giving it a fair review, but I think that it is going to be a good read and I will loop back to it later in life. A couple of notes I did take was there was a, oh yeah, on pages, I think it starts page 43. There's a good list of like interpretation vocabulary and then preceding it's like list of needs being met and not being met. And that was a good reminder of expanding your vocabulary really can expand your state of mind, your emotional health, kind of like that. I love, I love the simple phrase of if you can name it, you can tame it. But just like, I'm not just angry, sad, mad. Like there's so many words that you can use that are less violent to really communicate what is going on internally inside of you. And if you slow down enough to use some of that vocabulary, you can slow down enough to process your feelings as opposed to reacting them out at others. So those those were really helpful lists and it really clarified where I'm kind of meshing the two, where it's getting kind of ugly. And then another thing I really liked was, oh yeah, on page 4950, there was like a little bit of like how you perceive your own feelings. So what others do may be the stimulus of our feelings but not the cause, kind of looping back what I was saying before. Um, No one else causes our feeling. And then it was kind of four options for receiving negative messages. One, blame ourselves. Two, blame others. Three, sensing our own feelings and needs. Four, sensing others' feelings and needs. And I put this out to the group of like, which one do you think you do first and foremost? Mine is sensing our own feelings and needs. I'm very in touch with what I need. (laughs) So I could probably use a little bit more other sensing. I don't think I'm a blamer. I pretty much own my shit. At least I like to think that about myself. I don't blame myself for that though. Like I don't beat up on myself very much either. Which is an interesting little teeter-totter game of crazy versus sane. So in summation, good book. I will read it. I just won't read it right now. Okay, bye. This is my final book report for nonviolent communication. I didn't finish reading it. And it was, I don't know why. I think it was a combination of being too busy, familiar with some version of the content, and not really connecting with the author's voice. 
I also had those, I don't know if I would call them personal problems, but I had like those issues with the message in the first place where I felt like it was some kind of a repackaged version of other information. But in the podcast, the girls told me that maybe this was the original information, but I'm not, I'm not sold. (laughs) I think that the content of the book is important. I think effective communication is life-changing for many people. I think if somebody is finds it difficult to navigate a difficult conversation or a conflict with ease or without becoming a victim of their own emotions, where they say things they later regret or they're unable to communicate effectively because their emotions overwhelm them so much, whether it makes them shut down or, you know, keeps them out of just out of reach of what they're really trying to say, then I I think this would be a good tool for someone to try to begin to learn how to communicate while also feeling. Some people find it very difficult to communicate effectively while also feeling big feelings. So this could be a good way to just break it down. I guess I am a feeling person, so I might... Well, it goes both ways. Sometimes it takes me a while to digest. I have to feel all the feelings before I know how I feel, right? Before I can actually like cerebrally verbalize what's going on and why. So that takes time for me. But I also feel like in an emotional state, if I were needing to communicate how I felt, I could probably do it. I don't know, like I do well with emotions. Some people don't. And uh, like, even if they're uncomfortable emotions, I don't know. I guess uh, this isn't about me. This is about nonviolent communication. So would I recommend the book? I wouldn't not recommend it, I guess. Like, I don't have something specific against this book. It's not doing anything wrong. I agree with its message. But I don't think I'll go so far as saying I would recommend it. I would recommend that one who feels the need to improve their efficacy in communication to find the book that's right for them. Because there's a gazillion out there. I first want to say I probably won't spend the time to really learn how to use nonviolent communication. It's a lot of work and probably not good I say that, but I just feel like it's too much work to be able to learn how to do it properly. But that totally being said, there are some things I really want to work on that I learned from this book. So the first thing is instead of saying I have to do something, Changing the phrasing and the way I think about it to, I choose to do blank because I want blank. So, for example, I, if I'm thinking I have to do the dishes and it's like, I don't really want to do the dishes, then I would think, well, I choose to do the dishes because I want a clean home. So just rephrasing things into a more positive way of thinking I think would be helpful. Um, Mr. Rosenberg, when he said he actually wrote a list of all the things he felt like he had to do and then changed it to he chose to do because he wanted whatever. And if the thing he was getting from it wasn't valuable, then he thought about changing his life and taking those things out of his life. So I think that that's something valuable. I also want to work on my empathetic listening. That is something that I've been working on for the past few years. I went through something and I realized when going through that, that actually the people that helped the most were the people who were empathetically listening or just being there. 
you know, the advice and sympathy, all of those things don't really help that much when you're feeling that low. So uh, I've been really trying to work on that. He says empathy is in our or lies in our ability to be present. And I think that's other thing I have to work on. My brain tends to think of a thousand things at the same time. So I really want to work on being present in the moment. Um, I also should not be using the word should as much. So funny. No, but it's true. I, I do use the word should a lot. I think rephrasing that to I choose to do something because I want whatever will help as well. Although I do think there are some things we should do. Like, I don't know, go see our grandparents or something. But I also choose to do that. So why am I saying it the word should? I also want to express more appreciation. So thank you very much, listeners, for listening to us. You are fulfilling my need for community. And I feel happy about that. And many other words, because there's a list of descriptive words of feelings in the book, which I should look and use something different. More than happy. But I do feel happy about it. So thank you. Would I recommend this book? I think like a lot of the books that we have been reading, it's something that you need to really focus on. You need to devote some time. You need to be open to listening to it. I won't take everything from this book, but there's definitely some things I will take. And so I would recommend this book, not as an entertainment, <laughs> but as a way to look at the way that I'm communicating with other people and the way that other people are communicating with me and to learn how, you know, take the things that I want from it. And I think that if somebody was interested in that, then they would enjoy this book. Uh, great. Well, we'll see you in the next book cycle. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe and you'll be notified when there's new content. Want to be part of the conversation? Have your voice heard on our fan episode next week. Or recommend a book and you could be joining us for a six-week book cycle. Find out more by going to www.bookinterrupted.com fans. Have you been listening to the show and wondering how you could become a sponsor? Are you an artist, an entrepreneur, a self-published author? Maybe you have your own small business? To find out more, you can go to www.bookinterrupted.com sponsorship. We'd love to hear from you. Book Interrupted. Never forget 215. Every child matters.